Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them too, there's too lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, the podcast exploring fantasy flight games as Arkham or the card game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today, we're breaking down a recent expedition to Minnesota. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about Arkham Knights. Wait, there was there was an Arkham Knights this year? And we, we went to it? I, I think both the answer to both those questions is barely. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it, we kind of had to react quickly, right? They didn't really give us a whole lot of time to set it up, right? Yeah, it was it was definitely an instant spell in Magic. Please, please cut that from the cast. We've, I absolutely no, not. Uh, not even. I'm not. No. I'm gonna. I'm gonna duplicate it five times. Oh um, god! As I was leaving my mouth, I regretted. There's a whole conspiracy about around <laughs> Arkham Knights so that they try to make sure the least number of people know about it as as possible. <laughs> in uh, in in previous years, we've kind of good naturedly complained about the fact that they always announce it pretty late. So for people that are flying in from out of town, it's always kind of hard to coordinate like finding a place to stay and getting plane tickets. Yeah. So this this year they responded by announcing it even later. But honestly, <laughs> after not doing it last year and after the pandemic and everything, uh, I think we were just still so happy that there was an Arkham Knights. This we couldn't true. really be that upset about it. Yeah, like they they took the initiative to try and get there to be one, regardless of how many people there were. I know that there were some pe- folks who were pretty upset about how late that they were like uh, announcing it and stuff. But at the end of the day, they did do it, and like last year, we didn't. So it was really yeah. nice to see folks. And uh, for for anybody who is maybe relatively uh, relatively new to the podcast or to the Arkham Files, uh, whatever it is and isn't aware Arkham Knights is a sort of a I guess you could call it like a very small convention or like a kind of an event that Fantasy Flight does or or has done generally every year in October where they have kind of a weekend of uh events uh centered around the Arkham Files games including Arkham Horror the card game at the FFG uh at, well at formerly the FFG Game Center in Roseville Minnesota <laughs> outside the Twin Cities now at the uh Games Center which is like a sort of affiliated but separate thing but it, it, it's basically you know they have like a function hall they have like a game store there they have a bunch of tables set up and uh, you can play arkham files games you can meet the people that make them you can do uh, trivia events and win prizes and uh do sort of public events it's, it's it's a pretty good time we've we've been there a few times and uh we always enjoy it yeah i think i think my favorite part is is the uh the raffle where everybody who's attending will submit a ticket and then one person has the chance to go back and get eaten by the Shoggoth in the back of the uh, the game center. <laughs> yeah, so, none of us. Luckily, won none that of us have. Year. Yeah, yeah, none yeah. of us have won that that opportunity yet. But yeah, they, they've they've taken a lot of criticism from the anti-human sacrifice uh, activists of uh, for for insisting on doing this every year. But uh, I, I guess they really feel it's necessary to get across the kind of mythos feel of the whole thing. So I mean, it's almost Halloween, right? Yeah, What's Halloween yeah, exactly. is a little it's, bit of sacrifice. It's it's a spooky time of year. I'll I'll just I'll always miss our former fourth castmate Gerald, who was tragically <laughs> killed by human sacrifice in Arkham Knights 2018. We we miss you, buddy. Uh, yeah, never forget. Poor, poor Gerald. <laughs> Joking aside, though, uh, if you haven't heard our episode from a couple of years ago, um, kind of describing what we did at Arkham Knights 2019, the un, until this one, the the previous most recent Arkham Knights, um, that was definitely pretty fun. I would encourage people to check out that episode if you haven't heard it yet. Yeah, definitely. R.I.P. Gerald. 
But I think uh, I think that that's our plan for this episode is we just kind of want to uh, reminisce on all the fun stuff we did uh, Arkham wise and and otherwise and uh, uh, just kind of break down some of the uh, some of the fun events that happened. So uh, so let's see. So uh, uh, Arkham Knights, it, it begins usually on like a Friday night. Right. So we all flew in. Uh, you know, I was coming from California. Ben's coming from New Jersey. Dane's coming from Colorado. We all converged at the MSP airport uh, Friday afternoon. We picked up an extremely orange rental car, uh, which Dane was mostly in charge of driving for the week for the weekend. It was the colors of some college team that yeah. they seemed to think we would know. That, no, <laughs> yeah, the the guy the guy at the rental car place mentioned like, oh, that's the uh, I I th- I think it was like UT Austin or something. That's the, that's that color. And I we didn't want to take a break to explain to him that people from the coasts of the country generally have no idea what anything has to do with college football <laughs> or college sports. That is true. Like, it's like this is the color of the Minnesota Wookies. It was like great. I, I went to a college where the football team was like division, like not even division three, like, like the very worst possible team <laughs> of division three. And like, it's, it was mostly like a, you know, mechanical engineering honor students who also like played football as a hobby. So it was, uh, yeah, I don't know, but, uh, Hey, go, go whatever team that is. I hope they, I hope they're doing great this year. So, so enough, enough about our, our vehicle transportation. So of course, being in Minnesota, we, in order to, to keep Ben happy and, and to placate Ben, we immediately set off to get Piatas. Yeah. which uh, are a delicious Italian burrito kind of thing that can only be had in like Ohio and Minnesota mostly. Is that right? <laughs> For whatever reason. Yeah, it's insane that it's not on every single street corner. I don't understand it at all. I feel like, like it's a really, it would be a really popular food with like college people. So like, yeah. I, I'm imagining them just like popping up in college towns all, all over the place. But yeah. I really, yeah, I really think they could just open one of those literally anywhere in the country. There's like a lot of people that's like reasonably dense and they would just do awesome business. Like it's basically just a much better Chipotle. People love carbs. Yeah. That's a fact. <laughs> and they've got a lot of carbs. What was cool this time, because, you know, we didn't, I hadn't been there in a couple of years. They have these kind of like bowls thing now. You can get kind of like a salad bowl or kind of like a rice bowl. Oh, yeah. I always love that. It's like a, it's, it's kind of like, it's not quite like sweet green level in terms of like the pure, like freshness of everything, but it's like pretty close. And it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was great. So we got our Piatas and then we, we checked into our Airbnb, which there, there were not a lot of Airbnbs available like two weeks before this weekend we were planning this. So we ended up at this somewhat cursed airbnb um, <laughs> this is what right? i was laughing about earlier <laughs> it, well so what was cool about it one of the reasons i thought it would be fun was uh one it was near a bunch of like bars and restaurants and stuff which is cool turns out the reason for that is it was right in this place called dinky town which is like the <laughs> it, it's kind of like the the outskirts of minneapolis like college uh zone which Wait. which was fine but it was just like uh at one point we saw like a giant party bus go by like a on, on saturday <laughs> yeah. afternoon that was like it a, was was that the actual name <laughs> Because we did, there was a uh, what was the road that we drove down? Uh, Yankee Doodle Avenue, or Yankee Doodle Avenue. <laughs> Dinky Town is like the the name of the of the neighborhood. It, honestly, it was kind of a cool place in a lot of ways. Um, so the the house we were in was uh, it, one of the reasons I thought it would be cool is it, it dates back to like the 1920s, I think, or the late 1910s. So it's kind of like on brand for Arkham Files, right? Yeah, yeah. Previously um, infested by deep ones. <laughs> probably yeah i mean it was i i am i think it was probably a good idea that we did not go down to the basement because who, who who knows what the hell was down there but uh <laughs> it, was, it was kind of a cool old house but it was just it didn't it, it wasn't quite up to the standards of like cleanliness and convenience that you kind of expect from like a, your typical airbnb but it was i don't know i i thought it was a fun experience i think you guys were a lot more annoyed about it than i was <laughs> 
anyway, so we checked in there. We kind of got ready to head over to, uh, to, to, to the game center to, to do the festivities. And we had, uh, we had brought some swag to pass out to people. We had had some MUR stickers printed, which was, was new. We hadn't had those before. We got beautiful new business cards that have a QR code on them. It's uh, highly advanced technology. Because, yeah, it's <laughs> extremely, yeah, we're, we're, we're really high tech over here. Uh, and then, and then we had more copies of our charisma promo card, of course, because we always like to give those out. So we, we kind of collected all of that and we, uh, we headed over to the game center to, to, to get started. And uh, let's see, what did we do? We we picked up our kind of like event Arkham Knight swag. Uh, what was what was in there this year? Like a hundred Septa colored uh, investigator <laughs> cards from every single uh, Arkham game. <laughs> sorry, sorry. What is what is Septa colored? Sepia, S E P I A. Sepia, Sepia, Sepia. I know five letters. There can't possibly be four syllables. It's definitely an I in there. Yeah. All right. Well, whatever. The the Sapia colored cards. They like they took like five investigators from every Arkham game, uh, like all the way back to I think Eldritch or or the Elder Sign, and they changed it to Sapia the art, handed them out. But they also did give full arts of the original core set uh, investigators. Yeah, which was kind of cool. We were we were a little bit disappointed that it wasn't the really shiny new awesome revised core set art, but it's still nice to have. Uh... I think I was more surprised. I guess. Yeah, like, yeah, because you wouldn't use the really cool art. Not that the it was a little surprising, but it was you know it, it was cool. It's nice to have. Uh, it's nice to have alt arts for because those investigators are still pretty popular, right? Like people, people still like those. I certainly do. So yeah. that's that's neat. Yeah, I think yeah. the other cool thing is that uh, in one of the games, uh, Bob was changed into Rex for some reason, but but not <laughs> actually. <laughs> There was a misprint, yeah. Like there was a Rex card that said Bob <laughs> instead. So yeah, 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 that was for for Elder Sign. Or but it was for Elder Sign. Yeah. No one plays Elder Sign anymore, so it's whatever. Um, that, that was that was pretty <laughs> funny. And I think, uh, oh yeah, well, well, the I mean, the big ticket item. There were also some little tokens and dice and things, but the the big ticket item was uh, there, everybody got a playmat with the oh yeah kind of the box art of uh, Arkham Final Hour, which yeah. is is really neat. It has like a Tommy and Jenny on it, kind of riding a motorcycle. Mm. And uh, it, it's a pretty cool playmat, honestly. I kind of like it. It is neat, yeah. It was, it was a good choice for art, for sure. Yeah. And I think there was, there was, a, there was also a gigantic, unfathomable art uh, poster. <laughs> oh, yeah. Too big to fit in our tiny suitcases, large. Right. <laughs> but it's cool yeah. art. Yeah. So. It was, it was pretty neat. Well, and the other thing that everybody got as part of their swag bag, of course, was a copy of Machinations Through Time. Oh, yeah. Which is the new kind of epic multiplayer scenario. And uh, we, we were excited about that. And in fact, that was what we had planned as kind of the main thing we wanted to do at the Game Center Friday night. There was a Machinations big game going on at 6 p.m. So we signed up for that and we were going to be like one of the groups for Machinations. That was the first one they run that weekend, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I think yeah, so. Previously, only played at um, the pop up Gen Con that had even less notice than this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. Yeah. Was that one online or was that uh, like an official? No, that, thing? there was an in person one. I think there was like it was like twenty four people played or something, um, and they announced it you know like two days two days before actual Gen Con or whatever. So it was just locals got a chance to do it. So this was the first time we had like a whole bunch of them being played at once, which was pretty cool. And we met up with Pat, uh, who we Pat Blue HG, and we got to play with him, which is pretty fun. Shout out to Pat, who's uh, who's been a guest on uh, on our podcast in the past. He's a really cool guy, Fantastic and also makes some really really amazing uh, alt art promos. Yeah, 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 for sure. 
yeah, that, that was fun. So the three of us and Pat, that was kind of our, uh, our, our, our team and, uh, machinations is neat because, uh, you know, without getting too deep into the mechanics of it, because I think we'll, we'll probably like cover it in a future episode maybe, but, um, the way it works is it's specifically like three groups play. So in this case, there were, I think maybe like 15 or 15 or 18 groups, but it was separated into sets of three. Mm-hmm. And within each set of three groups, uh, one team is in the past, which is like the 1890s or something. Mm-hmm. Um, one team is in the present, which is the 1920s. And one team is in the future, which is the 1950s. And you can kind of interact in various ways. And we were in the future group, which is pretty cool. So, um, yeah, what did what did you guys think of uh, Machinations Through Time? Because this, this was our first time playing it, obviously, right? It was pretty neat. Like, the way it's designed is, like, you're supposed to interact a little bit with the other groups, and you need information or you need the other group to take an action for you to proceed, which is similar to Labyrinths, but this was um, way, way, way better than Labyrinths uh, as an experience. <laughs> totally It agree. also has a lot more, re- <laughs> has more replayability, because there was also these, um, like, one the past group, like, picks a, a, out of a set of three, um, or two sets of three, like, a, a scenario and, like, a plot card or something, which changes the goals of, like, the other groups a bit. So it means, um, you know, each time you play, you can you can kind of do it a little bit differently. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, that's really exciting to me because I my initial impressions were it was really really fun, and part of the fun was it felt like you had a, you really didn't understand fully what was going on, which seems like it would be accurate to this kind of like time travel shenanigans sort of setup. Like th- things are kind of happening like out of order, where like things are happening in the future that are like affecting the past and vice versa, and it, it felt like you know Primer or like some movie that that is kind of like nonlinear. That part was really cool. What I was a little bit worried about was after we play this three or four times, will we just kind of know how everything works really well, and it won't we won't have that like fun chaotic time travel feeling anymore. But the fact that it has that randomization of the objectives, I think, might give it some significant replay value. So that's really cool. Yeah, folks are saying that you can also play it a whole bunch of different ways. Like you, if if you do have a group of of like multiple uh, investigators, like four, four, and four, or three and three and three, or, four, or whatever, then you can play it in that format where there's actually three separate maps that people are kind of bouncing around and and, and talking between. But if it's just a single player group, you can either do like I think it's like you can do one map or you can do like all three of the timelines. And so there's just like so much variability and uh, replayability, I think, just in that, uh, even aside from the cards. We saw somebody, I think it might have been on Saturday, somebody was had it set up with the full map and it's like 16 different locations, but it has a bunch of extra rules (laughs) where like you got to move between the maps and you can bring characters from one timeline to the other. And if they accidentally meet their past selves or their future selves or something, they blow up, you get a, a back to the future too. I think they both just uh, gasp and faint actually, but um... <laughs> That's, that is pretty cool. Yeah. They, they really thought of all the different kind of uh, eventualities there. There's, so we should mention, uh, so the group was, um, so I was playing Mark, uh, Dane was Ursula, right? And uh, Ben was playing Jacqueline, and Pat was playing Parallel Agnes, and uh, I, I think we had a we had a pretty good team. I feel like Ben kind of was really hated by the Arkham <laughs> gods in this game, right? Oh, yeah, uh, not just in this game. Yeah, that, that was that was a rough game uh, for me on Friday. So I was playing Jacqueline, which I Dan provided me with a deck because I didn't have time ahead of time to throw together a stand together deck. So he gave me one, and you know the deck was fine. The deck was Jacqueline fine. <laughs> but uh, I definitely I used Jacqueline's ability like four times. Uh, two of them I got the auto fail, and then like with like two other very bad tokens, so I was forced to fail at a, you know what should have been an easy test. 
And I think like my my some of the encounter cards immediately trashed my good assets or, or good cards. <laughs> right. Like I had I had like my uh what's the what's the future telling card that gives you plus one willpower? The crystal but, pendulum. Yeah, the pendulum. I got trashed immediately. Uh, so my willpower is low for the whole game. I was, it, it, it was rough. And then my weakness came out. Uh, like turn turn four, like four or <laughs> five was, or something. It was a dark, dark future, future. Yeah, which was appropriate because we were in the future. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so, but yeah, definitely. Uh, well, definitely was out the rest of the game. Uh, used yeah. used my ability on it each round and uh, did not draw the elder side. So. I think you just kept drawing half the bag every turn and never seeing the elder oh, side. God. It was really sad. Yeah, Curse definitely didn't didn't contribute to that whatsoever. Luckily, Ursula and Mark and Agnes were able to to carry the weight there, and and we got some help from other teams because I think once you know there's a point where like you might not be able to progress until a different timeline can accomplish something, so you can like mail them clues or whatever, uh, similar to previous right. scenarios. Like Wotog, so. yeah, yeah. And uh, so so in the end, we 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 did win, which is great. Mm-hmm. I think all the groups won. It seemed like right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was that was cool, and. Uh, yeah, we also, we should mention, we got to kind of uh, hang out with uh, MJ and Jeremy a little bit as mm. MJ was kind of running the event. That was fun just to catch up with them and uh, d- definitely check out our interviews with them from uh, from a couple of months ago, if you haven't already. I think Dan mostly talked about Jeremiah Kirby with them and Jeremy was like, very <laughs> excited about it. And MJ mentioned how she was surprised one time when she got like more than two cards draws off of it. And Dan sat there very quietly. <laughs> I, 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 I sat there, yeah. <laughs> MJ was talking about like, oh, I got so unlucky. I picked odds and then I didn't get very many cards. And the next time I picked evens and I didn't get very many cards. And I was just kind of like thinking about the, uh, you know, 20, 26 even card, like uh, Trish and, and Monterey Jack decks I've been making that just uh, play play Jeremiah <laughs> so Kirby and just draw a million cards. And you, and you bet that's that's what Jeremy was intending, right? <laughs> you can't leave it up to chance these things. You got to go straight for it. You know, it's. Oh, uh, yeah. It's it's the opposite of my Yenit Commander deck where it's all odd cards. You got to pick all the even cards. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that that was really fun. And uh, yeah, and Machinations we should mention. So we came home with a with a bunch of copies of it, right. We bought a <clears> bunch <throat> of extra copies so that both you guys, I think, are can can run events locally in uh, Colorado and and you know the Northeast at some point, right? Oh yeah, Harrison, yeah Harrison's already got his uh, his hands in the muck. They as they say. Uh, I don't know oh, if that's boy. an actual. The rats in the kitchen <laughs> now. Thing, but it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it makes sense. Well, which is good because knowing the way these things usually work, it probably won't actually be for sale in game stores for like a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're excited to like play with our local, local groups. And if anybody wants to fly out, please do so. Cause machinations is really fun. <laughs> yeah. If there's people around like Philly, New Jersey area or central New Jersey, where the hell do I live? Uh, <laughs> Philly. What, what is New Jersey? I don't know. It's like a, it's weird, uh, but <laughs> It's it's in the gritty sphere of influence where I live, so you know. Yeah, it's kind of a really Cthulhu, yeah. but yeah, get us up. Yeah, yeah. So after machinations, we headed back to the hotel, not the hotel, the, the cursed Airbnb. Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, uh, and we started our Innsmouth, uh campaign on on hard mode. Uh, also, the first time we had been able to play with real cards in person. Previously, we had to use uh, other online techniques. Yeah. Electro digital <laughs> cyberspace uh, transmission yeah. methods, yeah. Because c- we should mention, like in in past years, generally when we've gone to Arkham Knights, we've kind of like planned to play through a campaign the whole time while we're there. While we're mm-hmm. there, um, not not in like a single day Iron Man style because we are 
not good enough at playing fast and we're very lazy and we hate waking up early. <laughs> so we've like in, in past years, I, I think two years ago we did like an all guardian run through of circle and done, which was really fun. Uh, this time we decided to do uh, a run through of in- a, th- a three player Innsmouth hard mode run, which was, which is really cool. So which, uh, which, which do you guys want to talk about the investigators that you chose? Sure. Yeah. So I, I gave Daniela a try. Obviously she's new for the edge of the earth which I, of course, got shipped from the UK, because uh, it's not actually out in the US yet, because of boats or ports or whatever. But, uh, yeah, she, she seems pretty cool. I mean, she has five in combat, and you can't be like, oh, the, like if you have five in a stat, you have to be a good investigator, right? No one look at Rita. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I gave her a try. My deck, my early deck, I was focused on like having some ways to like soak damage and horror or dodge attacks so that I could try to trigger her ability as much as I can to get extra pings of damage or evades and proc a couple of her other cards, like her wrench, to make her more efficient at whacking stuff. Unfortunately, though, in the in the first scenario, I, I don't think I gave myself quite enough soak and or uh, healing. And I was definitely like one away from death when we barely <laughs> barely escaped. Yeah, at it definitely the end. looked like it took you a little bit of like getting used to the style. Yeah, at first, and then it kind of caught on, and you were you were able to do like more. Well, oh, I mean, else. next scenario, I was allowed to have Jessica and Peter, which are <laughs> better soaks um, than what than I was running. I mean, I tried like bandages, and um, what else did I have? I think I had a I had Hollowed Mirror in my deck to help heal, but it was like the last card of my deck, and because <laughs> because yeah. I didn't have. I was struggling like to draw cards or get money because I have level zero guardian and uh, <laughs> upgraded C- upgraded survivor. Neither of which is like fantastic, other than like drawing thin, which I didn't have, you know, first scenario with taboo. So yeah, I mean, we'll we'll come back and kind of give like our overall thoughts on these decks when mm. we, at, after we've kind of gotten to the end of it. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the kind of initial thing was. It, it seemed like your Daniele deck was pretty good. It's just like maybe you needed some second wins or some extra healing cards in that in that first iteration of it, maybe until you got the Jess and Peter combo out. Well, especially in Into Deep with the uh, yeah, this extra spooky hard mode tokens, which we always forget sometimes. Yeah. They're like, oh, you, this just happens when you draw it. Those are, a- <laughs> those are those are just a real kick in the pants. Um, Dane, Dane, who did you uh, who did you play for the Insmith run? I was playing Winnie. Uh, what if Fred Havamok? And uh, this was my first time actually playing Winnie through a whole campaign. The woman without fear. Yeah, and uh, she was super fun to play. I uh, I think every time I play another rogue, I just realize every day that I'm just more of a rogue player because I have more fun with playing rogues than I have with any other class. And Winnie was actually fantastic. She she was very fun to play, and she also contributed a lot to the group. She draws a lot of cards. She drew more cards than our our last investigator, who usually draws the more, most cards until a certain point in the campaign, but. She was very fun. Were you uh were were you going for kind of like clues or evading or fighting? Like what was the kind of mix? I played uh Winnie as a hybrid. Winnie Winnie has like pretty good stats to be a hybrid. Five in agility, obviously. If you have a, you have five in a, a stat, then you must be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, she's she's pretty pretty good and fun. We should also mention we'll we'll post these deck lists maybe with like a brief write ups or something. We'll we're going to put these on Arkham DB and we'll put links in the show description. So definitely, if you're looking for some fun ideas for decks to play, maybe check these out. For sure. And who'd you play, Dan? I uh, I I played uh, an investigator that I have a, a certain amount of fondness for. Uh, I played I played Mandy Thompson. Uh, who, who, who's that? I don't know that investigator. She good? Well. It is it is funny because in the Machinations games, MJ was kind of doing a survey of what investigators people were playing oh, yeah, and was right. posting the uh, posting the results. And I was a little bit offended that there were no Mandy's in that first Friday Machinations. <laughs> like, what what does the community have against 
beautiful, incredibly powerful redheaded uh, researchers, you know, who, who I, I, I just don't understand it. But anyway, I was, I was proud to rep uh, the Mandy nation in our, in our Innsmouth run. I think you played um, enough Mandy for the whole, the whole convention, you know, yeah. I, no, I think, I think after all the totals, nobody had played Mandy along with like Lola and Jenny. <laughs> so well, people, pe- people don't know what they're missing. Um, I mean, maybe MJ will just buffer because clearly she's, she's not good. So yeah, I, I really, well, no, I think we really need a Mandy novella so she can have a less punishing weakness and a, <laughs> a, a more useful signature card. Cause at the moment that's, that's really Mandy's major flaw. Um, no. So I, I had played survivor Mandy. I think the first couple, like in dream eaters, I think when she was first released and then, uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but actually you can make a pretty good uh, Rogue Mandy deck or you could before they like banned several of the cards that were important to it. Um, so I, wow, I it's had a, it's such really... a surprise to hear that you can make good Mandy decks. Yeah, I, I had some really good times playing Rogue Mandy earlier. They 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 very cruelly and very unnecessarily uh, eroded the Pennant of the Queen for some reason to make it so that it uh, removes itself from the game after you run out of charges. <laughs> So I had a little think to myself and I uh, thought, oh, boy, that's a, that's a real shame. I sure did enjoy putting that pen into the queen together. I wonder if there's anything we could do about that. Um, <laughs> so I, I had the idea to try playing Mystic Mandy, which I hadn't done before, because you have access to cards like Enraptured and the new uh, Winds of Power from Edge of the Earth Investigator expansion. Because the idea is you could just kind of keep putting charges back on the pendant. You could still use it every turn. And on top of that, you would have like Deny Existence and Ward, so you could pretty much ignore a lot of encounter cards. And... Uh, that's you know, exactly I, I, what happened. Well, let's let, let's not spoil things. Spoilers for. for... Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, it, it obviously the initial version of the deck was I was playing uh, friggin' William T. Mallison or whatever, right? Because Mr. Rook <laughs> is like four XP. But uh, I I was really excited to play the deck, and I was I was I was very happy with it. So that that was our team. It was uh, Daniela and Winnie and Mandy. It was it was three just three ladies out there in Innsmouth. Uh, trying to trying to figure out what's up with that conspiracy huh what's what's going on what's going on with that conspiracy guys that's what we, that's what we were trying to find out yeah and uh and yeah pit of, pit of despair as we said it was a little dicey that, that is kind of like a hard initial scenario and uh i think yeah i think it was especially hard for ben because ben just like went down kind of in a hole health and sanity wise very early and then but but you didn't die you know yeah, you stayed alive no, we, we made we got all out. the victory we escaped yeah so that's all. That's all that matters. We got all the flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, Mandy was crying a lot about me having to come save her like every other turn because she didn't have <laughs> oh, yeah. a certain card. She gets gets a couple scenarios. But uh, Danielle was happy to follow you around and hit fish people yeah. for you we, with a we, wrench. We knew so. that was kind of going to be the deal because the Mandy deck had basically no interaction with enemies at all except for like a promise of power to maybe evade stuff and the pendant eventually after like three or four scenarios. So I would, you know, it, we had a very kind of like role defined, like split up group, but that's, you know, that's usually pretty fun and that's usually pretty powerful on hard mode. So yeah, I had like other thoughts of playing other investigators and then I realized that would be the exact case. So I wanted to play somebody who had access to Lone Wolf, aka the card that says everybody get the fuck out of my space. <laughs> Yeah, that was a really fun recurring theme was was Dane basically I see I thought I was annoying when I played Lone Wolf, like when Ben and I did Dream Eaters. Dane really surpassed me to a really hilarious degree. Like like Dane was fully on on the like, hey, uh hey, uh Ben, can you maybe uh get the fuck off my space so I can get a dollar next turn? Like it was <laughs> It was you don't want to get between Dane and that lone wolf. Meanwhile, Ben's like bleeding out on the floor, 
I, I also want to comment <laughs> Shoving on what, him what, off of my space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dane's kind of like kicking Ben down a hill so that his corpse can like roll <laughs> off of the space. I also want to comment on what Dane said a minute ago about uh, considering making other investigators. When we were trying to figure this out, I'm pretty sure Dane like just posted in our Discord channel a list of like 15 decks. It was, it was 11. And, 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 and it was like, oh, which of these decks do you guys think we should play? And it's like, oh God, I have to look at all these decks. Like... Oh, uh, what a rookie mistake, Dan! I just didn't look at them, and Dane solved it himself. <laughs> and, well, no, well, and 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 one of them was like Mateo. It's like really, you didn't like weed out Mateo Listen, at some point during this process. Like, it was a ceiling Mateo, and out of all those ones, yeah, playing through it, I'm like that could have been useful because some of those tokens are real bad. I feel, I feel like so. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I feel like I'm just I don't even know. I mean, you could do a ceiling deck and not Mateo, and like have a better investigator, but you know, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, so. but any, anyway, so those were our decks. So yeah, pit of despair went pretty smoothly. So we went to bed after that cause it was pretty late and Saturday we had kind of like planned things out to wake up and, you know, cause you have to keep things moving. We only had a weekend to do this. So we started off with scenario two, vanishing of Alina Harper. And, uh, I th- only I, after cursed, uh, the cursed target run. <laughs> oh oh no. yeah. D- Dan and I made a run to, th- this was honestly the other thing that made the dinky town experience kind of less cool than it would have been. We went to like, we had like the weirdest experience at a target that I've ever been to. <laughs> and, and, and for people who don't know, Minneapolis is like the headquarters of target. It's like where target was, I, I was know. about to say born, but I, maybe like spawned or like brought into this world through eldritch <laughs> means is like a more, more accurate. Uh, I, I'm not going to get into the details, but it was, it was just a really weird situation. <laughs> But after that, we played Vanishing of Alina Harper. Uh, Dane, you you had kind of a moment at the end of this scenario, right? Yeah, I, I love that scenario. I think like playing it in person had kind of like solidified it being one of my favorite scenarios. It's pretty cool. Yeah, we we ended up with with kind of fifty fifty shots for both the suspect and the location. It was either at the jail or the green, something like that. Or it was the young, the young boy, or the obvious villain, uh, right? <laughs> the oil, the oil tycoon, or whatever. Despite like clearing off the locations and getting a lot of clues and parlaying like pretty efficiently, we had mostly okay luck. But then at the end, we had a couple of whiffs on like looking at the leads deck. Yeah. So we ended up with only a fifty-fifty shot on both questions. Yeah, which felt very intentional. And then uh, I guessed them both. Hell yeah! Perfect. Through sheer off-class mystic vibes, uh, I got it. I got a hundred percent. And it was great. It was pretty good. It was, it was a fantastic uh, kickoff to the rest of the uh, campaign. It was really good, especially when like I had like refused to participate in guessing because I just didn't want to be blamed if it went wrong. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, Dane, you, you do it and then we'll all get mad at you if you get it wrong. <laughs> and he heroically got it perfectly right. So yes. yeah. that was fun. It was great. I yeah I also just uh we we had for the games that we were playing at the Airbnb we had uh we we were like trying to listen to some good kind of music for it. I'm going to post a couple of links in the episode description. There's a couple of cool kind of like instrumental albums on Bandcamp that are just good kind of like a mysterious like watery adventure vibes that uh that were pretty good for the more like waterlogged scenarios. They were pretty good, yeah. And then uh for the stuff that takes place like in a town um a lot of times we put on kind of like 1920s pop music playlists which is just kind of a I don't know. I, I, I always enjoy that. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe we'll post some links to some of those in the chat if anyone if anyone else wants to do an Innsmouth round and have a kind of a good soundtrack for it. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, once we solved that mystery and uh, flashed back to the present, we were like, we're hungry. We went to the sandwich shop that we usually go every year. Da, Devani's, is that how it's pronounced? We had already hit the kind of like Ben favorite place, which is Piata's. And uh, so it was, it was, it was the turn for Dane's favorite place. Dane, tell us about Devani's and, and what is it about it that really just uh, is, is so special for you? They have great ciabatta bread. 
and and I love ciabatta bread. So I we got <laughs> ciabatta bread. We had wings. It was great. And uh, except it wasn't great. I was lying just a second ago there. Uh, it was very <laughs> mediocre. And uh, I, I feel like they kind of lost the stuff this year. Maybe it was just a year thing, but. I, I feel like this was the first time that you saw Devani's clearly without the kind of aura of, uh, I don't know, something or other. It's, it's the, the, the advantage of it is it's like walking distance from the games center. Yeah. So you can get there pretty easily from, uh, from, from that. I mean, I was happy. I got a little calzone and I'm used to New Jersey calzones, which are, uh, not very good and like a foot and a half long for some reason. Like you can't order like a <laughs> personal size calzone that's like <laughs> normally. So it's a good treat for bed. I got like a sandwich with a bunch of lettuce in it and like wheat bread, which is in theory should be like a pretty reasonably wholesome lunch. And it still somehow like gave me just really bad vibes. I don't know, but it was, <laughs> it was, it was fine. It was, you know, it was Devani's. It's, you, you have to do it, I guess. And then uh, from there we headed immediately over to the games center. So, so what we had kind of set up is like the main thing we were going to do Saturday was we had organized a war of the outer gods event at there right. um, mm-hmm. via, you know, discord and stuff because, um, that was kind of the big standalone that was released last year, but because of coronavirus, there hadn't really been like an Arkham Knights where that was like the main showcase. So we, we wanted to set up one of those and we had copies of it. Um, Ben and Ben and Dane had both, I, I had honestly basically like ignored it and not done any work cause I'm lazy, but <laughs> Ben and Dane had done a, a great job, like getting people signed up and getting the groups figured out and doing a poll to figure out what was the best time. So that was all going to go down at like uh six 30 or six or something. But we had enough time before that to get in another Innsmouth scenario. So we did Into Deep, uh, which was pretty cool. Always a, always a fun scenario. And uh, how, how did it go? I'm trying to remember if there were any highlights of Into Deep. We blazed through it because you had started to get the Mandy in, online. But like we were, near, oh, yeah. we were like near the end, and then we were like, wait a second, we still need to get the seventh key, and the mob hadn't spawned yet. We had to like tr- wait for the mob to spawn, because I think it spawns at the end of one of the agendas, and it has one of the keys on it, and it spawns like in the right. middle of the map, and we were already way past that. So <laughs> our issue was like trying to get back to it to kill it quickly, and I think didn't we just barely kill it and all resign? Yeah, Danielle almost died yet again, actually. Uh, if you didn't uh, yeah, use the teachings right. of the order permanent thing, oh, you would right. not have gotten out. We we ran, we randomly chose me to have it. You guys resigned. And I had to like get out the next turn, and like whatever enemy I drew was like the very the very bad one to draw, and it would like kill me oh, running yeah, over to get to or it. Something? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, so we were, we were trying to get all the flashbacks, obviously, mm-hmm. throughout the Innsmouth campaign, and that that seems like it's just about the hardest one to get. I would say, right? The the one from the mob in in Into Deep. Uh, that's in my experience. Is that's, it's supposed that's the to be one. like pretty hard? I think because it spawns really late, and also it's like has a ridiculous amount of health. Yeah, you know, we didn't mention my side quest I had in every one of these scenarios, which was to handcuff the Deepwood Bull. Oh yeah, I was going to mention <laughs> that as like the absolute <laughs> biggest highlight of the entire campaign was just every single time Deepwood Bull or an equally as annoying like cultist or whatever came out, it was just like put under arrest immediately, and it was great. I had one of handcuffs, and I almost drew it almost immediately in every <laughs> in every scenario. I don't think I think I always mulliganed it and still drew it right away. And, uh, <laughs> Arrested a fish. <laughs> Dane has kind of a th- whole thing about handcuffs, which normally I just kind of roll my eyes at. But there were a couple of these scenarios where there's like a cultist on that, in, and there's like encounter cards that like put doom on the nearest cultist. And for those, if you just lock one up and then drag it around with you, it really does oh, yeah. it, it make it. It really does make a huge difference. Yeah, because it's not the nearest cultist that can have doom at. It's just the nearest cultist, so it like always yeah, works. I, exactly but you know speaking of handcuffs we did meet a man that showed up with handcuffs and i think tried to arrest dane 
Dan, that is true. I, yeah, very um, stubbornly so. Yeah, we, we met a we met a guy named William Young who um, is he was cosplaying as stubborn detective. So he had a trench coat and everything. He had uh, handcuffs and a Nerf gun, um, and he was he was pretty cool. So he he has a like an Etsy page called Arkham Fantasy, and he has these really cool little like sixteen bit sprite arts for all the investigators. So mm. he gave us uh, he he gave us each a couple of stickers with that art on them for our favorite investigators. I got I got the Mark and Mandy ones, and they were really neat. They're like really really well done. It was it was really and he was he was a pretty cool guy too. So that was really fun. Yeah, they're like very elaborate and very. There's a lot of attention to like making sure that all the trench coat guys don't look exactly the same. <laughs> that was like one of yeah, the things exactly. that I was like I was like I wonder if Roland and Tony will look very very similar, and they didn't. They were like pretty good. Same with the scared book ladies. There's exactly. a lot of them, but they, they look a little different. Yeah, no, he's a, he does he's a great, great job uh, adding the detail in at the 16-bit level, so it's very cool. I think we've got a cool photo we took with him uh, on the uh, on, on, on the Instagram, and uh, we'll also we'll post a link to his Etsy page in the description. Definitely check that out if you like cool Arkham fan stuff. Yeah. Um, and we also, while we were playing, we, we got to meet a couple of other people that came up to say hi, and we gave out a bunch of Charisma promos, so that's that's always fun. We have a million of those things, so it's always nice to give some out. Yeah. Then we transitioned into setting up the Wotog event, uh, which was a good team effort from everyone that was participating, because what I hadn't really planned for was basically winging it was like, uh, how are we going to get tables that are near each other? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and it kind of all came together, so it was it was very helpful for those that participated and helped, like, came over and like reserved tables we managed to actually get them all basically next to each other yeah which very I nice. think it, it, it should be mentioned that like before we actually got there on like thursday night i think we only had like 12 to 15 signups so we only had like four groups or five groups maybe and then in the time that it took for them to uh like get everything set up and and for folks to kind of realize that there was a talk event happening from from like thursday to saturday or uh, friday to saturday morning like a ton more people signed up some people crossed their names off of the machinations that day to like come and join the wotog and it ended up being like there were nine groups of like 30-ish people which was yeah, way yeah. more than we expected and it was fantastic it was so much fun sean from yeah. the busters showed up and justin it was a great time because mm-hmm. we should explain there's the kind of like the back room like event center at the game center which was kind of reserved for Arkham Knights, but there were also a ton of people playing like Unfathomable and Arkham Third Edition and stuff there. So there wasn't like a big block of tables available there. And then there's like kind of the main gaming room at the Game Center, but that's always there's always people there like playing D and D or painting minis or playing like other random stuff. So it's it, it was a little bit less busy this year probably because of COVID, but it was kind of miraculous that we actually managed to get enough tables close to each other. You know, in hindsight, because because we recruited, uh, there was very few people playing Machinations at the same time with Wotog. We probably could have just asked to use the space that was reserved for <laughs> Machinations because there was like 18 tables over there and they were only, I think there was only three groups yeah. playing at that time. Oh well. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, so, so, so Dane actually, so Dane actually played. Dane mm-hmm. was in one of the groups. Uh, Ben was kind of a uh, master of ceremonies in the whole thing with a, a pretty impressive array of colored props, uh, <laughs> brought, brought from, brought from New Jersey. And I was, I kind of like helped Ben out a little bit and also just kind of like wandered around and, you know, soaked in the vibes. Uh, it was, it, it seemed to go pretty well, right? It went pretty well. Um, I did leave you in charge for like two minutes while I went to the bathroom. And at, at that <laughs> point, at that point, everybody thought they had completed the scenario and there was like cheering and I came back and it was great. And then, like, I found out, like, one or two of the groups hadn't finished yet. Yeah. (laughs) There was one group. It was the one table that was, like, kind of off from the rest of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That hadn't finished it. And I felt really bad because everybody else kind of put up their their fingers and then that one person didn't. 
and and i was like i i understood like how the doom mechanics worked because that's the main thing that you have to keep track of if you're running uh wotog because you know that's what that's what i'd been helping ben with but i had i had honestly not like looked at exactly how the victory condition works so i was like oh ben has this covered uh but but you know you pick the exact wrong time to make a pit stop and uh there were like three groups left i checked around i was like all right three more groups they're not gonna all finish in two minutes <laughs> and then it happened and, and i was right they didn't all finish the two minutes um, yeah yeah that is true but it's fine uh, i think everyone had a good time the it seemed like everyone kind of crushed it because we had a lot of veteran players there right uh, there were some oh, yeah, some newer yeah, folks yeah. for the folks that didn't finish quickly we they had like three or four tables worth of people like coming up and like do you need clues still all right Put some clues on your thing. Put some clues yeah. on your thing. It was great. <laughs> it's uh, I mean, it's it's Arkham Knights. People bring their A game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These, these these are like the most uh, the the most obsessed, uh, passionate people. I think so. Yeah, I think if I write in the future, I might uh, try like I, d- I just did the vanilla one because like yeah, it's the first time running it. Uh, you know, people probably haven't played it before. So, but there's like there's like variants that make it a bit harder. So I might encourage those in the future if we have another veteran group. So, so we had we we've played War of the Outer Gods before, but I know I at least had had not. And I guess still haven't played it uh, with physical cards like in a big group. I'd only mm-hmm. ever played it online. Do you guys have any updated thoughts about the scenario after getting to play it? Kind of, pro- I would say the way it was intended to be played. Yeah, I think there's there's just this this really funny weird like strangely high amount of times that a single person in a group will draw this encounter card called hellfire. And I, <laughs> I think it's because there, there are only like 15 or, or 19 cards or something like that in the, in the beginning uh, encounter deck because more get shuffled in as like, as doom happens, as, as agendas advance and things like that. Um, and it eventually becomes kind of a more standard, normal size encounter deck. But right at the beginning there's just there's like two or three copies of this one card called Hellfire, which is a really high agility test agility test before. And then you just take a bunch of damage. And for whatever reason, like out of like five out of the the nine groups that were playing, one person who was very ill equipped to deal with it kept getting it like four or five <laughs> times and would have to like deny existence it. And then there's no way I'd get it again. Oh, there it is again. And it's like so like for me, I, I was Ursula and I got it like three times and it was fine. I passed because I had like a five or a six in agility, but like it's just a really f- one of those funny things that happens in scenarios sometimes. Yeah. I mean and for me I didn't also didn't actually get to play it because I was just running it. So, you know, I got the experience walking around seeing what people different different people were playing. I think I, I uh took a page from MJ and I wrote down like what all investigators what people were playing and posted up on our Discord and stuff to to get an idea again no mandy's so <laughs> and uh yeah i got to play around with some props which i think people thought were thematic some might have uh hindered communication a little bit but eh, everyone, everyone got the idea you really kind of went full eyes wide shut there uh which i which i thought was pretty cool <laughs> yeah i think it was fun and yeah mj came over to, to chalk because she only had three groups to manage <laughs> so, <laughs> so she came out and hung out and she was like oh this is the biggest group of wotog we ever had here because obviously last year there was no arkham knights so you know that, that was fun it, it seemed like people really had a good time. And, and yeah, I also, I, I, you know, I didn't get to actually play it, but it seemed, it seemed like a, a scenario that definitely benefits from having like this big room, people that are all engaged. I also really liked seeing the, um, it has like custom kind of card frame art for some of the enemies and, yeah, and treacheries really and things, nice. which looks really good in physical cards. Like you don't really get the sense of that if you're playing it electronically. So it, it was definitely pretty cool. So kudos to uh, both of you guys for, uh, for putting that together. Yeah. And thanks to all that came and participated. I know, and everybody yeah. who like came and got chairs for us <laughs> and helped That's us get right. the get the tables together. Yeah, it's good time. 
after we cleaned up um, and after some convincing, uh, I got you guys to go do the pub trivia, right? Pub yeah, trivia. that's right. And we were we were a little bit nervous about this because there had been trivia at uh, Farcom Con th- earlier this year. That was earlier this year, right? Or was that last year? That was last year. I think it was during Gen Con. It was last during year. the pandemic times. It, at some whatever. point, maybe yeah. it was Farcom. It was it was during whatever this this is. But uh, <laughs> and those questions were like extremely hard, right? Like we we know a lot about this game, but like the what brand of like, shoes was Jenny wearing the, on page one hundred and seventy three yeah. of our novel? It was like whoa, and it, yeah, it, it was like a lot of stuff drawn from the novels, which I think generally we haven't read. So we yeah. were a little bit nervous about it, but it was like oh, you know, it's going to be quick. Everyone's there. It's going to be kind of fun. So we 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 signed up. We we formed a group. Uh, and we we participated in pub trivia. Uh, what, what, what did you guys think of it? I mean, I had a good time. Very fun. We had a lot of joke answers because we they, again there were like it was like oh who's Carson Sinclair's uh, uh, adoptive children or whatever, and I was like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, he's I not even like, in a card game yet. That's we kind of went into it with just like uh, hey let's have some fun, hang out with some yeah. folks, and we were kind of expecting other groups to be like more fine tuned and like trivia buffs. And, like, everybody, all of the other groups that we talked to shared the same sentiment that we did. They were all just like, oh, let's let's just hang out, have a couple beers, yeah. and, and do some trivia. Well, there was one group that was, like, way far ahead of everyone else that was, <laughs> you know, as they were kind of, like, reading off the questions at the end and the answers, they were kind of, like, cl- celebrating for each one. Like, they'd just gotten a lot of them, right? <laughs> uh so i mean good good on them like i mean we were you know we we tied for second so with like nine yeah, points we, out of 25 or something so. i still don't totally understand how but yeah we somehow tied for second right that's crazy we did yeah yeah and a funny story about the, the group that did win shout out to a uh, uh, discord user navis who's, who's in our discord channel he was telling me that so they uh that group got together only by proxy of like other people that were kind of like joining other groups. So they were kind of like the leftovers. And that's why they called themselves team winging it because it was just like, <laughs> like random folks who were like, yeah, I guess we'll do it. Why not? And, uh, they, they, they won it. They, they came back to win yeah. it after, after so. losing like team members who were like the trivia buffs. So it was kind of like, it was uh winging it an underdog story <laughs> and they, and they won it all. Wow. Yeah. Good, good, good on them. Yeah. So we had a pretty good time with that. So I like liked that a lot. And I was glad that we stayed to do it. Um, but then, of course, we had to go back to the Airbnb <laughs> to another to another scenario. Yeah, it, it it was it was quite late, and we had already had one kind of late night slash early morning. So we were we were pretty tired, but uh, we we knew we really wanted to get in one more Inspin scenario b- before we went to, to sleep Saturday. So we we set up Devil Reef. How what did you guys think of Devil Reef this time around? I moved the boat around a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was the point where you had the pendant, and at that point, oh the, yeah, I did, ca- I did have the pendant. The, cam- oh, the campaign, yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the campaign went from like like each scenario, like we just barely completed everything without dying to. But am I uh, am I we even Daniela? I think you guys were close to death once or twice, right? Oh yeah, no? yeah, I definitely was at least once. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, once you had the pendant, it was like. It starts to trivialize stuff a little bit because you can teleport to the different objectives. Like a lot of the incident scenarios, it's like, oh, you have to get a key and bring it to a different location, and you don't know like where which goes where until you've like revealed the location and gotten the keys or whatever. Um, but with the pendant, it lets you teleport around the map. Uh... Yeah, th- this was it, this was kind of makes it a bit easier. This was the start of when I had like Mister Rook and the pendant and the stuff to put charges back on the pendant. 
and uh and and also like ben said if there's like kind of a if there's like one unifying mechanical theme of the whole insmith campaign more than like you know fish people that do stuff when they engage you it's huge maps and like moving keys around right yeah and, and moving vehicles right like yeah like that, the tax that of actions to get from place to place yeah even with the pen in that scenario you still have the action ta- tax to teleport across the map but it still saves you so much so right well, right, because at the end, I was able to basically just teleport around to the other islands and drop yeah. off keys, right? Yeah. Because it's, c- it's like, yeah, anything that, aside from vehicles, like, the vehicles do kind of make things like Pathfinder and Shortcut worse because you can't really use them. But apart from that, in, play, in things like Into Deep, anything that lets you move faster, like Pathfinder, Shortcut, Luke, Open Gate, anything like that, is really powerful in Elizabeth. And the Pendant, which lets you just teleport, is great. So it was cool. I, I had a good time. Yeah. I think I might have hit the friend with a sledgehammer. Did I have the sledgehammer at that point? I can't remember. I think you had one. This was also when you guys started complaining that my turns were taking too long, just because I would generally have to shuffle my deck like three times over the course of a yeah, turn. Yeah, we'll, would... we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I think that like the kind of the reason why nobody brought Mandy to to uh, Machinations or, or Wotog, I, I'm beginning to understand now, is that like Mandy takes two times the number of investigators turn, like like length of turn to do her turn because you have to shuffle a deck like five times and make decisions oh, yeah. and then every time she shuffles the deck she discovers a thousand clues and yeah for netrunner folks out there <laughs> it, it's the equivalent of playing against ig <laughs> i i think it's i the thing is like i think the idea is you're supposed to like rook during the very beginning of the investigation phase or even mythos phase like while other people are doing stuff mm-hmm. the problem is that a lot of times there's some reason that you have to wait like oh i might hit mandy's signature and get a free clue but i want to like wait to, to to search until i'm on a location that has clues or like i have to i want to wait until i know that like if i draw an enemy someone's going to be able to deal with it so so you always end up having to like wait and rook during your turn and then you also like practice makes perfect during your turn and then you move, you get to do a lot of stuff because you have a lot of free actions from like pathfinder and shortcut so your <laughs> your turns end up taking a while but you also get to do a lot of stuff i think that's the thing is that because Manny's weakness is so annoying that like you're like hold on hold on nobody take their turns yet I've got to do my rook turn and yeah, then yeah, and then an exactly. enemy would inevitably spawn and we'd have to go deal with it and then Manny would do everything else. Well, and and, and if I had the pendant out, I didn't have to worry as much because well, then sure, if I get yeah, an enemy, yeah. I can just pendant it. But uh, and hey, I said a minute ago, make a Mandy nut, write the Adventures of Mandy Thompson researcher and give her like a different weakness, so I don't have to worry as much, you know. Uh, I, we should also mention that I, I had the like unspeakable oath of investigating a place with no clues on it, which is absolutely the best possible weakness I could possibly have drawn. So sure. that that was also that that contributed to the feeling of uh you know just having a having a great really good time in Mandy Town. Uh, <laughs> I guess so. we should mention Ben and I drew the same weakness, which was yeah. absolutely oh, hilarious. Yeah. It was a cursed follower times two, and it and yeah. he just had cursed token. Like if anybody wants to do a curse run. That is how you start it. And you're not <laughs> intending to doing it because there were just like eight to 10 curses in the bag. Basically the entire scenario. Cause, cause this is the, this is the weakness. It's an enemy that spawns at the farthest location from you. And every turn during enemy phase adds a curse token. Normally you just go, Oh, and it's aloof, which is annoying. Normally you just go kill it. Right. Right. And it's really not that bad, but in Smith, all the, all the locations, it spawns like eight locations away from you. And it, <laughs> you never, you never on hard mode, like you never have the time to go kill it. So a lot of these scenarios, we just had like eight to 10 curses in the bag for most of the, I think like scenario game. one, I like tried to always go kill it, but there was always be a new fish that spawned. And it's also, aloof so it's like all right so i think it gave up we might have killed them once or twice but most of the time we just let them add curses every turn you know it's like whatever we'll just deal with it 
And it, I mean, it was already hard. So that really did make the bag a lot worse. But I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you can kind of deal with it. Like you can kind of play around it. So I think I could count the number of times that it actually made us fail tests on like a hand maybe or two hands. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, some of them were, were way more impactful than others. But um, generally speaking, it wasn't too bad. It was definitely very funny. I don't know which there it was when you drew like five curse tokens and the auto fail or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was up by 12. It is and always fun in Jaw 4 yeah. or 5. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. So so we finished Devil Reef. We went to bed. We woke up Sunday. And we, we basically, we didn't have any major events planned for Sunday. But we had to finish the remaining four scenarios. Because we knew we weren't going to have time on Monday. So we did Horror in High Gear. Which is the, the Vroom Vroom car scenario, right? Yeah. And uh, I think that, that, was, that was pretty fun. That was probably the funniest interaction with the Cursed Follower. Because they spawned behind us and then because they were there we never got to recycle old locations and they just stayed out there the whole yeah. time yeah yeah it actually made the scenario easier because it meant the rearmost location was like five to ten locations behind us because which is where a lot of the enemies spawn right <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> that was also the scenario i think that winnie finally got like her her upgraded pilfers and like started to like really be able to help mm-hmm. out a ton uh, which felt really good Pilfer was really, really strong in, in three yeah. player with, for Winnie. Like, like Pilfer was great. Uh, that like the, I mean, I, I think that Winnie deck was really strong. I think, I think it, I was joking to Dane later in the airport. Like if your deck had just been like two Pilfers and like a million skill cards and like money and stuff and like very few assets, you could have just like blasted Pilfers all the time and it would have been like really good. Yeah. You know, totally. And that's the scenario where Daniela has to drive a car um, and and isn't able and isn't incapable of incapable of fixing it oh, yeah. uh, because it's in test, which is always very funny. I think the highlight for that scenario was at some point I drew an encounter card and I was like, I don't care if I fail this. And Dan was in the car with me. <laughs> and I was like, I can double with like twelve it. clues. Fine. He had lots of clues, uh, and it was definitely a car. Mandy's pushing like a wheelbarrow full of clues, you know. And uh, I drew whichever token was like, for each point you fail by, someone in your car has to drop a clue. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I, I failed by seven because of the drawing thins, but it's fine. Mandy just Mandy got out of the car because she was so mad, picked up all the clues, yeah. and they got a date. She came to the cool turn. car where, where Winnie was hanging out with Lonnie and Delilah, and uh, and then yeah, Daniel just red, drove a Redhead Express over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah ex- exactly. Af- after that, it was no more, no more Daniela car, <laughs> and it sucked because Ben was in Ben was in the nice rich guy car, the convertible, and Dane Dane was driving the 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 shittier like shitty car. But <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, horror, horror and high gear was fun, and yeah, I, I think it went pretty. I, I, honestly, I think like the second half of the campaign, it was we were we were clearing it pretty easily. There were a couple dicey parts that we'll mention later, but mostly it was okay. For the next scenario, we went over to the game center just to kind of, you know, say hello to people and get some lunch there and kind of interact with people. So we set up a light in the fog, which I think went pretty well. Ben got captured by Aceros Marsh, right? I got captured sort of on purpose because we realized there was a victory. Yeah. We remember there was a victory on the jail location. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I did it expertly. I double drawing thin to draw the auto fail. <laughs> so, I mean, it was wow. pretty good. And then I immediately broke my handcuffs with my giant muscles. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, meanwhile, I definitely arrested the deep, deep one bull immediately. That's it as well. This yeah, it was great. Like, Mandy, Mandy teleported into jail, picked up all the clues, and then left. That yeah, was great. I think the narrative of um, like handcuffing the deep one bull and then having Daniela like ha- the small little ones just like slamming themselves against Daniela's body and immediately dying, and the deep one and the deep one bull being absolutely helpless to do anything about it was hilarious <laughs> well, and also it, very tragic. It hilariously charges at you every time, but it can't ready, so it's just standing at your location. (laughs) 
very occasionally it does get an engage off because of that whatever that card is it's like engage everything at your location oh, yeah, deep on its own. Um, right. but most of yeah. but, but most of the time it's just running around yeah. like so i assume it like just kind of headbutts you when that happens and you, you know you drop your uh <laughs> you drop your extra uh enchanted blade or whatever yeah yeah the highlight for that scenario though is we got a chance to talk to um uh duke who helped design that snare or who was lead designer rather on that snare because yeah. he was like an intern <laughs> he was like an intern at ffg two years ago who who mj had mentioned uh when when we interviewed her earlier yeah. this year mm-hmm. um so it was, it was gonna be like oh yeah you're that yeah. Duke. Yeah. Whis- yeah. whispers of a duke were were you know already kind of in our ears by that point and we're like this is the <laughs> duke so yeah it was cool to meet him very nice guy gave us some kind of insights into the design of the scenario which was which was pretty cool uh, it was just a weird coincidence because like he saw us setting up the scenario. He was like, Oh wow. Someone's playing a light in the fog. It was like, it was cool that we just ended up at the game center for this one instead of like at the Airbnb or something. And he was nice. He also, he signed my Osirius card uh, mm-hmm. and, and changed the victory value on it to XO, <laughs> uh, which he told me he meant hug and kiss. And I think that's still too worth, worth two victories. It's at least 10. I hope it is. Right. Uh, I don't think it's worth ten victory. I don't think a kiss from Osiris is XO. Well, X, X is the Roman numeral for 10. Ooh. Right? That's a good point. So, oh, and then like put a zero after it. That means one hundred. Right? <laughs> so it's worth a hundred victory. I don't think it is. In Roman numerals, didn't zero not exist or O? It's worth a hundred victory, man. I, that's just how it is. <sighs> All right, that's good to know. That means I didn't yeah. give us enough experience after we defeated him. That's, that's a shame. <laughs> but this was the funny moment where we realized, oh, we never have actually asked anyone to sign any of our stuff over there every year. <laughs> and you had like a thirty-minute conversation with Jeremy about how good Jeremiah yeah, was. Yeah, I, I I definitely realized that I because we even had Jeremy sign our architects a couple of years ago when we did Keeper's Nightmare. I absolutely should have gotten him to sign Jeremiah Kirby, but hey, it just means next time at, uh, at Arkham Knights, whatever we we got to do it. But anyway, so, okay, so that was the light in the fog. So we had two more scenarios to go and we, we went back to, cause the, the game center closed at like six on Sundays or something. So we went back to the cursed Airbnb, uh, and we, we set up, uh, the lair of Dagon, um, which this one, you know, for the most part at this point, we were kind of just chugging along and things were going pretty well. This one did become really hard right at the end. We almost woke up the super scary guy. Don't wait, Dagon. Our group was not set up super well to do the thing where you put clues onto the, onto the agenda. We we had some difficulty with that, and we also had some pretty bad luck with like bad pulls. So we were we were a couple of bad tests away from like. Uh, I think we were exactly one bad test away. <laughs> yeah, like like we we had a turn where I needed to pass like three tests, or I would basically he would wake up, and then Mandy would probably die and drop a million clues, <laughs> and then it would have it was kind of hard to know where things would go from there. But luckily, uh, we we the Arkham gods were were kind to us. So we we did manage to finish that one without waking up uh, Daddy Dagon, and that was that was good. Yeah, and then uh, we moved quickly on to the last scenario, where once again uh, we're like, "Oh yeah, Pandit should just be Pandit should just be banned." Because the last scenario, you need to move keys around to like edges of the map, and you don't know which key needs to go where. But we just gave Dan all the keys and made Winnie run around the board with her red clock uh, and reveal everything, and then Dan just teleported to each location and very quickly cleaned that up. <laughs> I mean, this is like, like I, you guys were giving me a lot of shit for, for, for Mandy. And look, obviously like that, that is an incredibly strong deck. I'm not going <laughs> to lie and say it isn't, but I, I will just say that like that scenario is set up that the main thing that is hard about it is that the map is like nine, nine locations wide or yeah. something. And you have to like drop off different keys at each side. Like most of the difficulty and the time pressure is coming from the fact that you don't know which key goes in which spot. And they're like nine locations away. So the pendant is like perfectly set up 
to be the solution to that problem, right? If we'd been doing like Carcosa or Dream Eaters or something, it would not have seemed as like game breaking as it was. But oh yeah, it, it totally it was incredible in this scenario. Who would have thought that a, that a, a card that is specifically designed to completely break all notion of needing to move anywhere or like <laughs> evade anything in the game would would uh, be completely broken on a huge map? The evade works on elite enemies too. Right? Any enemy it's in the game, that's except, really, except that's, for Azathoth. <laughs> That's really dumb. Like it, it, yeah, the pendant should absolutely not work on elite enemies. It's crazy that it does, but it, yeah, because I had, I had the pendant, I had a pathfinder, and I had two shortcuts, and I could always basically put charges back on the pendant. So it, it, it worked out great, and we did, yeah, we ended up winning, and we got the like the the kind of secret cool ending, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, because we had gotten all of the flashbacks, and like I think what we we said, screw the government. I think you know destroyed <laughs> the city, and then we still got the flashback at the end that. You know, reveals reveals the final uh, conspiracy, which I won't spoil here in case people haven't done that yet. But uh, that's always fun. Um, Dan, in order to save time, Dan insisted I summarize every single chunk of story text that we encountered in like one sentence. It was great, which was pretty difficult. Was some of those blocks of story text are like a page long. Um, <laughs> we installed a new patch into Ben's Arkham Manager module, and I gotta say, I was very happy with the results. <laughs> I honestly was too. It really kept things moving along well. And uh, yeah, I mean, kind of like transitioning into sort of like thoughts about the campaign after having played it again. Um, I, I got to say, like, I think when we did our initial review of Innsmouth after it came out, I think we, we liked it. We thought it was good. But I remember expressing some reservations like, yeah, it's good, but it's not really up there with Carcosa. I liked it a lot more playing it this time. I think partly mm, because, same. you know, you're getting to play with the real cards and really look at the art. It really is a lot more immersive, partly just because honestly... Even with a normal campaign, it's kind of hard to keep track of what's going on when you wait like a month between scenarios. The fact that this had this like nonlinear flashback structure made it even more, mm-hmm. it was even more of a problem. Getting to play it all in one weekend, I actually understood what was going on a lot better. Mm. So that was, that was really great too. So yeah, I, I thought this was really great. Like Innsmouth is legitimately a really, really good campaign. Yeah, it, it's very cool. The flashback and the narrative and how it all kind of comes together is very cool, which again, you guys had lightning round summarized, but I still read it. So, you know, <laughs> but it's definitely very fun. Uh, I still have that one major complaint with the weird uh, ex- how you spend experience and it not be consistent. But yeah, you the, guys hate the, that. the rest of my complaints are, are put to bed, I think. I think it's it's very cool. The scenarios felt a lot more distinct from each other when we played it with real cards. Absolutely. Yeah, that was that was huge. Yeah, the other thing was that like, in hard mode, the the tokens are just so much worse, and it, in in a mm-hmm. very fun way because it's like it's well. it's it makes it very taxing regardless of how well you're doing. So your decks need to be able to like be resilient to a point of that that they, that you just couldn't get by with a standard deck. And on top of that, I think the accursed followers added so much flavor <laughs> to every part of of the scenario because like this is this is where they came from right this is this is the reason why curse tokens are in the game and like every scenario where we're dealing with curse tokens to some extent whereas normal like through a normal playthrough where you don't have anything that uh draws draws chaos tokens you only get chaos like the the curse tokens in the seventh scenario i think like that's the only one where curses are heavily heavily right. in, in the game yeah and this it just felt like it, it was sprinkling that mechanic throughout every single scenario which felt really insmith and i really enjoyed that yeah, it was cool I, I don't think any of us took advantage of the curses being in the bag um, <laughs> until mandy mandy did at the end i think you, you got I think mandy the, got uh, the covenant, covenant but never triggered it <laughs> no I, I i triggered it a couple of times oh, okay. and i didn't really i didn't really need it yeah. very much but at the end it was like hey it's a it's something i could spend xp on i had to tune out a little bit whenever you did your turn so I, you know i wouldn't know 
<laughs> Speaking of decks and upgrades, any any thoughts on uh, you know your decks kind of at following through the entire campaign or any new cards you got to try? Anything kind of interesting to talk about there? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mentioned a bit already, but Daniela, she was fun to play. I definitely hit a threshold near the end with the amount of experience we got where it's like, eh, I don't really have anything else I wanted to add. And there's a couple cards I wish I had put in but didn't end up doing, but my main card I put in was the Sledgehammer. That seemed really cool. Which was pretty fun. I think in the last scenario, I hit uh, Dagon so hard his son died with Sledgehammer. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, that was obvious, uh, obviously very grim, but also, also hilarious. Um, but uh, what else did I try? Oh, Bangle of Jinxes. Bangle of Jinxes. Bangle of Jinxes. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you really did play Bangle of Jinxes and activate Bangle of yeah. Jinxes. Bangle, Bangle of Jinxes got triggered a lot. Um, I was a little sad uh, when I realized it didn't have the text on it that uh, Daniela's ability has, where like if you cancel the effect, it, it won't work. That's right. Same thing with her wrench. That's right. But uh, it's still, it still let my stuff ha- hit me all the time. I had Jessica and Peter, so I had some soak. I had Hollowed Mirror if I needed to heal. Dan had like super logical reasoning if, if I needed sanity healing. And Hell I had ba- yeah. Uh, oh, I tried out bandages, too. The bandages was fun. Yeah, bandages um, were great. It's kind of, it's kind of yeah. fun. It's like, oh, I take a damage? I guess not. That was one of my early cards uh, that I had in the early scenarios and it helped a bit. Things I didn't want to get to try out that I wanted to was, um, what's the ally? Aquina. Uh, Aquina. 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 Yeah. She seemed like if anyone's going to play it, it's going to be Daniela. And I just didn't have a way to fit her into the deck. The main thing is like, I got another, cr- if I, what was the reason? Oh, you, uh, oh, you had uh, the, the amazing ally. I had Thomas in like three of the scenarios and he was amazing because he gave me a draw engine that I didn't really have otherwise outside of drawing then. <laughs> and he takes up an ally slot the second two times you get him. So I didn't want to like cram, try to cram another ally in my deck to compete with him. And I, I really felt like I needed Peter and Jess to be able to soak hits. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah, she seems neat. Uh, there's a couple other cards I might try on her in the future. I might start off a little bit more uh, with a little bit more self-healing or soak before I get the upgrades. And, you know, there's a couple other cards that we talked about uh, in one of our Edge of the Earth card reviews, uh, which are sure when that was two episodes ago. There's a couple other Survivor cards that come out that seem like the League of, that will work with her. I feel like maybe I managed to kind of red pill you that Live and Learn is a terrible card. Is that, is that right? <laughs> uh, I used it at least once when I think I auto-filled in a sledgehammer, but it was just once. So, yeah, I, I, I like I had the you t- catastrophe. I- That's the solution, right? I forgot you catastrophe existed because they changed it to remove from game, but that would have been good to put in my deck. I should have replaced the live and learn with it or gotten it early. I had the tiny guns, the derringers, pew pew, as like a backup weapon. And live and learn is good for those, but I mainly use sledgehammer and wrench. Uh, I had like a bandolier for an extra hand slot. A rare, rare use of bandolier for me. So the sledgehammer definitely feels like a more appropriate Daniela weapon, like mm-hmm. huge lady, huge so hammer, cool. instead of like, huge it's such lady, a cool thematic guy. thing. Yeah. I was so excited about sledgehammer when it was, uh, when it was previewed that, um, I definitely want to try that too. So overall I had a good time with Daniela. Definitely ways to tweak her in the future, but she, she seems fun and cool. You know, her deck building is like kind of weird and you have to think about it strangely because she's a normanoid and like, can't have access to like the normal guardian stuff to fight things. So Dane, uh, how, how about Winnie? How was the Winnie? Winnie is now one of my favorite investigators to play. I know that I say that a lot, but generally rogues are just like always in the top five anyway. Um, she's very fast and loose. I think that I might have, going back, I might have changed the composition of my deck because I started including a lot of assets to the point where it kind of, it kind of got crazy. Um, so I, I, next time I would probably want to play more skills and, and events and things like that. But some of the assets you, you could just commit anyways, because their skills are, the skill icons that you give on them are fine. But 
my my kind of objective, other than trying out Winnie, was to try out um, a few things from Edge of the Earth. One was Heavy Furs and Lonnie. So uh, Heavy Furs allow you to redraw a Chaos Token that's not an auto-fail, which was, which was fun to get a damage on it. And then if you have any horror that you needed to soak, it's going on Lonnie. And then Lonnie can, you know, fix, fix all your stuff. And, and she's so happy that she heals herself. So it's kind of like a semi-infinite horror slash damage engine that worked out really well in the first few scenarios because the chaos tokens are really, really punishing and the auto damage from the uh, deep ones engaging, engaging you, etc. So that worked actually really well. And then I ended up getting uh, Delilah and keeping Alani for, for later. But um, the other cards that I wanted to check out were Savant, which actually ended up being a fantastic Winnie card. Um, because for the most part, it's just a courage to commit to any test. And Winnie loves wild symbols. But for Will Test specifically, it's at least a promise of power without having to throw in um, uh, curses. So that worked out extremely well. And uh, the, the highlight of the deck, I think, was was Pilfer level 3. I wasn't quite sure how like reliable it would be that, that I would get it, but turns out with like manual dexterity level 2s and nimbles and things like that, you just have so many symbols that regardless of what you pull, you'll get it back the next turn. But the, but the real highlight of the, of the whole uh, Winnie, Winnie game was Copycats. I was really, really wanted to make use of, of the copycat promos that I have. And and I wanted to <laughs> kind of design the perfect storm for Winnie where she could play like all the really good like overpowers and vicious blows and, and deductions and perceptions. She got half of that. She got like perceptions and, and deductions eventually when Mandy upgraded into them. And I, I started to really question why I put an extra copy of Lockpicks in because you just have so many symbols from committing copycat to a test and you just get a billion clues with it. It's It's so fun and fantastic. For Winnie, I would definitely go back and probably change the way that worked. I think a later card that I tested in her was the Red Clock, which I was kind of underwhelmed with. But I think that's because I had to spend nine extra experience on something when when a Seeker could just spend one experience and be able to teleport anywhere around the map infinitely and dodge any amount of enemies infinitely. And I had to spend ten experience to uh, get three moves at the beginning of my turn or a resource at the beginning of my turn. Uh, you need to ban pendant, by the way. Uh, that that's that's the ultimate takeaway of this of this campaign. Please ban Dane, pendant. Are, are you mad? It it, it kind of sounds like you're <laughs> mad, Dane. Are you are you mad? I I was mad that all like all in is the card that I really want to take with Winnie. That's the card that I feel like would would just skyrocket Winnie to like absurd it, levels. Yeah, that would be that would be the best card in in Winnie's deck, and it would be so perfect for her. It really is unfortunate that it's it's RFG and it's still 5x. And it's not even it's RFG if that. it succeeds. It's just RFG. If you auto fail, <laughs> it's gone for the rest of the for the rest of the game. I, I gotta say, like I'm I'm always kind of skeptical of, of rogues. Like I think Winnie's ability is really strong, but I was worried that like with her stat line and card pool and things would be tough. But you got to draw a ton of cards, and you had really strong cards like Pilfer that could really do like it, it was a very solid deck, and it, it looked it looked really fun to play as well. I think in hindsight, Mausers are one of my it is my favorite weapon in the game. But Switchblade level level two. Uh, around yeah. a little bit would have been fine because Delilah, once I got her, just handled pretty much everything that I needed, uh, apart from Daniela murdering things. So like that chain, like just just lessening the assets and and putting more skills and events in would have been probably my my um my solution to that. I did try Crafty out, which which is kind of neat with that rogue. Um, the card gets better with each color that you have out. I forget the name of the mechanic, but um, that would have been good if I kind of knew that in synergy. in foresight. But synergy, yeah. yeah, yeah, the rogue synergy card. But yeah. So all, all in all, it was really, really fun to play, Winnie. 
as far as the mini deck goes, uh, I let me talk about something kind of unrelated. You you guys know that I like Rubik's cubes, right? Like I like uh, kind of solving <laughs> little Rubik's cubes. So the the thing about Rubik's cubes is that like when you're first learning how to do it, it's this thing that you kind of like is actually a challenge, and you kind of have to think about it. And eventually, you kind of memorize the algorithms, and you you basically like solved it. Like okay, this is solved now. It's no longer a question of are we going to solve the Rubik's cube, and it kind of in in theory takes away maybe some of like the the danger or the difficulty of it. But uh, you can still kind of revel in the completeness and beauty of the solution. Uh, wait right? a second. What's the danger of solving a Rubik's Cube? <laughs> well, not not the danger, but I mean, like, there's Is no Is this a Hellraiser right? scenario? Like, like, it, it, no, well, sometimes. Uh, we, don't, a... we don't like to talk about that in the Rubik's Cube community. <laughs> but, but, but what I'm saying is, like, there's no longer any question of, like, will you be able to solve the Rubik's Cube? You will. It'll just take a little while. And my, my point is that, like you can still enjoy the kind of like perfection of the solution of it. Right. Even if the suspense is gone, uh, that's kind of like what this Mandy deck felt like. I think this is <laughs> maybe like the strongest Arkham deck I've ever played. Uh, it was way stronger than I expected it to be. I thought it would be kind of You're like expecting a, rogue to be still the best, right? Well, and, and honestly, if they hadn't done the taboo list, rogue might still be stronger. Although I'm honestly not sure. I, I definitely, but that was my expectation. I expected that this would be like less powerful than the kind of peak rogue Mandy decks. And it would be kind of a goof. Like, Oh yeah, let's play this enraptured card that usually isn't that great. And let's use it to just like keep putting charges on the pendant. And I think partially because of Innsmouth having these big maps, partially because just the basic generic, like seeker with a lot of fast cards, who's just focusing on clues is like always really strong. Um, and, and increasingly the part that I kind of didn't really fully take into account when I was making the deck is I had like two deny existences and like one or two wards in my deck. And if you cycle your deck enough, you just always have those. I just cast deny existence like five or six times per scenario. Anytime I would take any amount of damage or horror and you just never have to worry about that at all. You just play it and then you just draw it again the next turn. And I had, I had two shortcuts and I was doing ridiculous stuff like teleporting over to Ben to like shortcut him twice and then like moving around. <laughs> you weren't even using back. them on yourself. I didn't need to. I had the pendant and Pathfinder. <laughs> like it, those shortcuts were critical to me being able to sledgehammer stuff or move around officially. So. And I would, and I would do things, honestly, I always could have used more money because I had higher education, which is still an incredibly stupidly powerful card, even though it got like somewhat less tabooed. Like I would just like crack the case twice and get like eight money and then I would just like spend it and then I would crack the case twice again and I would get more money. And uh, yeah, I, oh, that, that was the other fun thing we didn't mention about this deck is I had cracked the case. Uh, Dane had Faustian bargain Devil to, to money. ask Satan for money and Ben had stand together. So we kind of all had the ability to share money with each other. But um, yeah, I mean, it was an incredibly fun deck to play. I apologize if some of the turns went a little bit long. <laughs> Uh, I, I think Dane basically said after this, like, we have to add the pennant to the list of kind of like soft band cards that we don't play anymore. Like Rex, yeah. I think, I, I think I'm fine with that. Uh, that's, that's reasonable. Uh, the, the scary thing is that you could take the pennant out of this deck and you could make a deck that was like 90% as good. So. Yeah. I mean, Mandy also seems incredible. Like we might need to like soft band 30 card Mandy at least. Uh, I, don't know. I mean, I mean, sure. Like I'm, I'm willing to discuss that too, but I think I could <laughs> play a Daisy deck that would be like 90% as good also. Or, yeah. Or that's the thing. Yeah. So I guess just yeah. soft band all seekers, I guess. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll play Monterey Jack for the next one. <laughs> We'll right. see how that goes. I guess he solves. <laughs> yeah. Figured out the. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll see how things go. We'll see how the taboo list turns out. Uh, and, and again, I, I we were still in danger of dying in a light in the fog, right? Like there were still some some challenges oh, sure, to a sure. lot of this stuff. So, and I was completely helpless. I had no I had no way to deal with enemies apart from the pendant. So mm, yeah, I was completely like, you you can make your deck really powerful if you're able to focus totally linearly on just getting clues. Um, if I hadn't been able to do that, which I was only able to do because you guys were able to handle the enemies, especially mm-hmm. Ben, 
you know, I, I would have had to put in a bunch of my deck would have been a lot slower, would have been a lot worse. I mean, if we had had a weaker a weaker seeker, then we might have uh, you know gotten a bad resolution for some of those scenarios. So like you being there did help. Yeah. It just it felt like oh this is too good like <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah yeah I yeah it felt it felt a little bit too good. Yeah, like I said, we'll we'll post write-ups or, or at least we'll post the deck list for all of these and uh people can kind of like take a look at it and, and at these three decks and, and let us know what they think. Uh so that was yeah, that was the end of our of our Innsmouth run, which is kind of the main thing apart from the War of the Outer Gods and Machinations. Um so we, we went to sleep Monday, we were we were basically flying out Monday afternoon, so we didn't really do a lot of Arkham related stuff. Um Dane had kind of like a had kind of like a, a class thing to do. So we we went over to the Mall of America, because if you're in Minneapolis, you might as well check out the Mall of America. <laughs> uh Ben and I checked out the Lego store. That was fun. Uh you know, we we for some reason we didn't ride the Rugrats roller coaster again, even though we always talk about doing it. Yeah. So maybe 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 next time. Uh <laughs> and uh and of course we got more piatas, because oh, you, yeah. you gotta get piatas if you're there. And this time I tried their cannoli chips. That's a new thing they had. So I enjoyed those. Yeah, we, we tried those. They were kind of okay, sort of, I guess. I liked them. It's a, little, it's a little, it's just like the cannoli. It's basically just the dip in a cannoli, which is, you know, good stuff. And uh, and, and that was it. We went from the Mall of America to the airport, and we, we flew back to our respective uh, home bases. Oh, yeah. Nerf man. That was uh, that was. That's it. That was Arcanites. That was Arcanites <laughs> I mean, Dane, you you could have uh, you could have tracked MJ down at 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 Arcanites, and you could have you could have just cornered her and been like, "Look, you have to ban Mandy." You could have. No, you could it have wasn't even case. Mandy. It was, and, it was just uh, the pendant. It was it was just it was literally just yeah. the pendant. I think, it was just like I think MJ. MJ is aware of Bandy. Like, I made some comment, like, oh, it, you know, she made some comment when she posted the deck list, like, oh, there's no Jenny or Lola or Mandy in this. And someone's like, oh, I guess, I guess you should buff Jenny. And she's like, yeah. And I, I joke into, like, oh, you should probably buff Mandy too. And she's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't want to hear about, hear about that on Reddit. So, so. She, she is, she is busted as hell. And, uh, and I, I love her very much. She's great. Yeah. Mandy, Mandy Thompson, the researcher. Well, I think that's all we have to say about Arkham Knights. Big takeaway is that Pendant needs to be banned. Uh, otherwise, we're happy to meet up with everybody and actually play with real cards. All of these situations, Machinations, Were the Outer Gods, Innsmouth, Meeting, Duke, and folks from FFG, Community. We love to see everybody. Uh, and we're hoping to see you all again soon. Otherwise, if anybody has any questions or feedback for us, email us at comments at mur.fm and we'll read your messages on a future episode. To stay current with what we're working on, follow us on social networks, including Instagram or Twitch, or join our Discord server. You can find all the links over at uh, social.mur.fm. If you really enjoy what we do and want to get more involved, you can become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash university radio, or just leave us a nice review on your favorite podcast source. We'll be back uh, next week with Edge of the Earth uh, card reviews. Until then, be safe and healthy, and we'll catch you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. I like that we still waved because we're so used to doing <laughs> doing the streams. Like we just yeah. waved to the camera. Yeah.
And oh boy. I'm, I'm waving bye to uh, Pendant. Bye, Pendant. We'll see you never. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. It's really funny because I think either a 40 card Pendant Mandy deck would still be like better no, than it, basically it's, any deck. It's just inevitability. Or, if, if, if Pendant isn't in the. It felt very much like, like one of those uh, like MOBA games. I don't know if you've played any of them, but like the no. whole point of a MOBA game is that like there's different roles that are relevant at different times in the game. And there's one role that's generally a carry that starts out really, really weak. And right. the, the whole goal is to protect them until they get enough items to be like this super steamroller. And, and right. like, that's how it felt. Except this is a co-op game. <laughs> you don't have enemies to crush. If there's no encounter deck, if you don't have to worry about literally anything, you just question your existence and why you're playing the game. I, well, again, I don't want to... <laughs> yeah, or, yeah there you go denying existence i don't want to i don't want to like uh front like mandy was not an incredible deck but i kept telling dane like dane you got to stop playing a dozen assets if you just get out there and pilfer stuff you could be like racing me on the clue boards you know like that th- that could be happening i didn't even want to do that though it's just <laughs> like oh I, let me do this thing this turn real quick and he was like well i can just do that can you just can you just shoot this enemy once? And I was like, eh, I guess I could just you, do that. You also you you got a lot of clues, yeah. like not in the last scenario really, but like most of them. <laughs> I got like fifteen clues Again, in the last scenario. Comparatively, like Pilfer, it wasn't a lot. And Pilfer and Copycat for level for level two deduction that was really strong. Those were yeah, great. They were they were good. Yeah.